Well, for this, Easter Sunday is for Mark chapter 16, beginning at verse 1. Alleluia. When the Sabbath was over, Mary Magdalene and Mary, the mother of James, and Salome bought spices so that they might go and anoint Jesus' body. And very early on the first day of the week, alleluia, when the sun had risen, they went to the tomb. They had been saying to one another, Who will roll away the stone for us from the entrance to the tomb? When they looked up, they saw the stone, which was very large, had already been rolled back, alleluia. As they entered the tomb, they saw a young man dressed in a white robe, sitting on the right side, and they were alarmed. But he said to them, Do not be alarmed. You are looking for Jesus of Nazareth, who was crucified. He has been raised, alleluia. He is not here. Look, there is the place they have laid him. But go, tell his disciples and Peter that he is going ahead of you to Galilee. There you will see him, just as he told you. Alleluia. So they went out and fled from the tomb, for terror and amazement had seized them. And they said nothing to anyone, for they were afraid. This is the gospel of the Lord. Please be seated. Grace to all of you and peace from God, our Creator, and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus the Christ. Amen. Let us bow our heads in prayer. Most holy God, be with us this day as we offer you our worship, as we give thanks for this moment that changed the universe. You have saved, saved us and set us free. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. When I was much younger than I am today, I would find it very interesting that old people would tell wonderful stories and that they must have loved their stories so much that they would tell them again and again and again. Now that I have gray hair and I am retelling my stories, I'm thinking that it may not be just an issue of memory. That I think embedded in the stories that our old people tell, including Pastor Mike, is a set of values and priorities that people want to share with others. For example, imagine Grandpa, who's sitting by the fireplace, inviting the grandkids to come near. And he begins telling him the story. It starts like this. I remember when I was your age. I had to walk two miles to school. <laughs> after chores. In the midst of a blizzard. Uphill. Both ways. <laughs> of course, the kids, the first time through, eyes are wide. Very interested. But time after time, that story gets told. And what gets absorbed by the young people is a sense of perseverance, a sense of facing difficulty, a sense of the value of education. Stories shape our character. And so we retell them. Many of us grew up at a time when, in elementary school, they told us the story of George Washington when he was a young person. He was given a gift. The gift was a, a hatchet. A little hatchet, it was shiny, it was brand new, the handle fit George's hand perfectly, and he looked at it, 
And when he went out to the orchard near the prized cherry tree, he looked at the tree, looked at the hatchet. Children, what did he do? Chop, chop, chop. Down goes the cherry tree. Hallelujah. <laughs> the next day, his dad came and said, George, the cherry tree that I love is chopped down. Do you know anything about it? And George looked up his, at his dad and said, I cannot tell a lie. I did it. Many of you have heard that story before. It's been told and retold for 200 years as a way not just to entertain us, to get our attention, but to share with us a message about honesty and integrity. Stories shape our character. They're very, very important. So be very attentive to the stories that you hear. Parents, to the stories that your children hear. Most often today, we listen to stories through movies and TV shows. And those things shape us. There's one storyline in the genre of action movies that's almost always the same. You've all watched action movies. So you've got an overarching, oppressive, threatening power, whatever form that takes. And it seems impossible to confront this threat, but there is a, an heroic individual or small group of people who stand up, hallelujah, and they face down that evil power, and amazingly, through their initiative, through their courage, through their smarts, they stop the power of oppression. What is the message? Of course, it's the American ethic that individuals can make a difference, that we need to have courage in this world. Most recently, those stories that are told that you've heard, especially action shows, feature women as the heroine. In movie after movie, in TV show after TV show, we have women who face down incredible odds. It is not so surprising then that just in the context of those stories which shape us, we have the Me Too movement. Women standing up and saying no to oppression, to misogyny, to prejudice, to abuse. Interesting, isn't it? How stories shape our character. Which brings us to today's story which you've heard year after year after year. It actually started last Sunday. It's not just Easter, it's the entire Holy Week. For 2,000 years, we have reenacted this story which begins on Palm Sunday and Jesus' triumphal entry into Jerusalem and all the people gathered and cutting palm branches and putting them down at his feet. It's a great celebration and then just very quickly in that week things start to change. On Monday, Thursday, Jesus gathers his disciples together. They're eating a meal together. It's called the Passover meal. Jesus holds up the bread and says, this is my... Holds up the wine. This is my... And he has the first communion meal. Hallelujah. Later that night, they're all tired. Jesus says it's time for us to go to the Garden of Gethsemane to pray. They leave the upper room. They go down the Kidron Valley, come up into the Garden of Gethsemane, and there they pray. The disciples fall asleep. The soldiers come into the garden. Their swords are clanking. They come over to Jesus. Jesus is betrayed by Judas with a kiss. 
They arrest Jesus. They haul him off to the chief priest and then to Pontius Pilate who declares him guilty. Jesus is whipped. He is led out and he's nailed to a cross. A criminal on each side. And it took him hours to die. His body is then taken down. It's brought to a tomb that's brand new. It's placed in the tomb and then a boulder, a very heavy stone is rolled in front and I imagine it rolling into a little trench and landing with a thud. And the disciples flee and the women, Mary, Mary and Salome, see it all from a distance. It's a story whose finale is today. Today we tell the story of early the first Easter where three women, Mary, Mary, and Salome, find the courage to make their way through the city streets down to where the tomb is going to be. They carry spices with them. Their attitude is sadness. You see, they're really sad because they thought Jesus was going to change the story, the human story. They thought Jesus' story where there'd be justice and peace and kindness and compassion, where people would respect each other, men and women, all races together, the lepers and the blind and the lame all brought into this one community, the very rich coming down, the very poor brought up. They thought that was going to be the new human story. And then when the stone rolled in front, there was a thud that meant the end of the chapter. The story is always the same. We have a difficult life. We struggle at times. It's painful. And it ends in a thud. There was a 17th century philosopher that summarized that sort of attitude about the human story as most people live it. He said, we deny it, but the reality of human existence is solitary, mean, nasty, brutish, and short. His name is Thomas Hobbes. The women would have understood Thomas Hobbes. So that's why they were so confused. When they walked towards the tomb and the stone was rolled back, it's like, it's like the story's not over. Is there an epilogue to this human story of work hard, stress out through life, and then it's over? Is there an epilogue? Is Jesus alive? We don't get it. That's why they fled from the tomb, afraid, terrorized. They, and did you get it in the text? It said, they said nothing to anyone. Well, they must have said something because we're retelling the story today, 2,000 years later. A story that has shaped us and can shape you and our entire society as we tell it and retell it. When we live with Thomas Hobbes' story orienting our life, that death is it, it's over, it leaves us with a subconscious undercurrent of fear and anxiety. Death is looming over us. 
even though we don't want to think about it. We push it to the back. And that leaves our character. That affects our character. If that is the story of our life, we're left a little insecure, a little defensive, probably materialistic, impatient, unforgiving. But if there's an epilogue, if the women's story is true, if the tomb is open, then death is not the end. Life is the end. Life is our future. And that affects not just our future, but our present. It changes our character. That's why we tell the story year after year after year, the same story. We tell you life continues. Joy is our future. Happiness is our future. Contentment is our future. It makes us relax. It makes us enjoy one another. It sets us free from all the petty things that often operate out of our insecurity. That's what Easter is. And so we tell you the story once more to inspire, to comfort, and to challenge. Amen. I invite you to stand for the hymn of the day.